podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Dream Team Professor Podcast. My name is Scott and in this episode we're going to be looking at the top 10 strikers to start the season with on Sun Dream Team. Starting with first place and there's no surprises, Erling Haaland, 8.5 million, the most expensive player in the game and for good reason really. So with the new rules... Applied to last season, he would have scored 476 points. That's a 45-point difference to what he had previously. Last season, on the old points, he was 130 points clear of second place, which was Marcus Rashford. So a massive, massive, massive gap on Marcus Rashford. With the new rules, though, this narrows it down to 103 points rather than 130 points, but still massively clear. But one interesting thing is he finished on zero bonus points. Uh, I don't want to spend too long on the bonus points, um, but just to break it down for you. So Haaland, the best player in the game, only got, well, got no bonus points at all. Um, And if you do look at bonus points overall on Sun Dream Team, it was Michael Lise who got the most bonus points. And that was just 13. I think you then had Saka on 10 and Trippier on 10 as well. So over the course of the season, that really isn't an amount into much. So I wouldn't put too much focus on bonus points. If you don't know what bonus points are, um, I've got a video out looking at the new rules on Sun Dream Team. It's probably best to have a look at that one first. I'll put a link below in this video. We'll start with goals, which was just ridiculous from Haaland. I've never seen anything like it. So 52 goals for Haaland last season. He got 10 assists. He got 94 shots on target. 14 big chances created and then seven tackles. Now, the reason I've put shots on target, big chances created, and tackles in here as well is because under the new Dream Team rules, you get one point for a shot on target, you get one point for a big chance created, and then you get one point per two tackles. Now, tackles isn't going to be as important with strikers or Erling Haaland, for example, but shots on target and big chances created are 94 shots on target, 14 big chances created. So 94 shots on target, That was by far the most in the game, quite obviously. That's why he's scoring 52 goals or something like that. Um, He was 12 shots on target more than Marcus Rashford, and then no one was really close to these two. So that's one thing to consider. If you do want shot volume or shots on target, Haaland and Rashford were clear of the others. Big chances created, 14 isn't very many. Um, But I did sort of see that the actual centre-forwards, the strikers were creating less chances than a winger, for example, like a Salah. And then again, tackles. We don't need to worry too much about that with a player like Haaland. Another reason why you can't go without Erling Haaland, in my opinion, is because of the captaincy now as well on Dream Team. So another new feature that we spoke about in the last episode, double points for captains. Who knows how many points he's going to get if he's captained week in, week out. It's ridiculous. But Everyone's going to be captain Erling Haaland most of the time, I imagine. In double game weeks, in single game weeks, Haaland probably is going to be the best captain. That was that was pretty much the way it was on FPL last season as well. Um, and of course, there's going to be weeks where there is a better captain, but sometimes it's just too risky to take to take the chance of not going with Erling Haaland. The goals he was scoring last season, if you'd have missed out on one of those big, big games... It really did punish you. I think an example was I went with um, Mohamed Salah one week as a captain on FPL. I know we shouldn't be talking about FPL too much as it's a Dream Team podcast, but they've had captains a long time. Salah played Bournemouth last season. I captained him on FPL. Liverpool won 9-0 against Bournemouth and Salah didn't even pick up a goal or an assist. City played Palace and Erling Haaland got a hat-trick. So you would have got double points for that hat-trick. So... 
yeah, I just don't think you can mess with him, to be honest. But we don't need to spend any longer on him. The last thing I would say about Haaland as well, you're all going to have him. But the fixtures are really good for Man City as well. You've got Burnley away in game week one. That's the first kickoff of the season. You've got Newcastle at home. You've got Sheffield United away. You then have Fulham at home, West Ham away, Nottingham Forest at home, Wolves away, and then Arsenal in game week eight. It's Arsenal away. So it starts to get a little bit tougher then with Arsenal, Brighton, Man United. But you've pretty much got seven really good fixtures or seven really good game weeks there for Erling Haaland. And I'm probably going to be captain him for most of them. So this might be a controversial one, but I've gone with Mohamed Salah in second place at 7 million. Out of Haaland, Rashford, Kane and Salah, Salah had the biggest gain from the new rules. So under the new rules, he scored 355 points and that was an 80 point increase on the old rules. So out of the big four, which Kane, Haaland, Rashford, Salah had the biggest gain in points. Shots on target though, he was actually on the lowest out of the big four. But he did have the most chances created. He was three more ahead of Harry Kane. Tackles, 25 tackles, which was more than Kane and Haaland, but slightly less than Rashford. And I did sort of notice a trend that the wingers were putting in more tackles than the typical centre forward. So Rashford, Salah were producing more tackles than Haaland and Kane. Not really that much of a surprise when you think about it. So looking at the stats, so 355 points in total, an 80-point increase. He got 29 goals, 16 assists, 63 shots on target, 20 big chances created, and then 25 tackles. Now, the fixtures are okay. Um, Chelsea away in the first game. We're not quite sure what to expect from Chelsea, but that is usually quite a low-scoring game. But I do think that Liverpool are going to start strong this season. It's just a hunch, and that's why this one might be a little bit of a controversial one compared to some of your own opinions. But then game week two, Bournemouth at home. Now, I know I just mentioned it. They had the 9-0 last season and Salah didn't score or didn't assist. But that has to be a freak. And that has to be a game that we're looking to target again. Game week three, Newcastle away. Again, that's a fairly tough away fixture. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that one goes. Um, but I still do fancy Salah. So that's why my opinion on this one might differ slightly. I'll come on to it when I go to Kane as well. But I did see a good opportunity to move on to Kane in game week three, if you did want to start with Salah. So if you think Salah's a good pick to start with for Chelsea away and then Bournemouth at home, you can actually switch to Harry Kane in game week three. Now we have more transfers as well. So you can go Chelsea away, Bournemouth at home for Liverpool. And then you can bring in Harry Kane, for example, game week three, and you can play Bournemouth. So you can have back-to-back -back games against Bournemouth. Spurs play Bournemouth. And then Spurs face Burnley and Sheffield United. So that could be a good opportunity to move from Salah to Kane. And then again, I'm just going to mention these bonus points just to show you how little I think they're going to affect the game. Haaland had zero bonus points. Salah picked up just the one bonus point on Dream Team with the new system in place. So unless they go and change the rules somehow, um, I don't think it's going to be a big part of the game. Before we move on to number three, if you're enjoying the video so far, please do leave a like and subscribe to the channel to get kept up to date with all the latest Sun Dream Team content. And a quick reminder that I'm partnered with the Dream Team Tonic podcast. We have an episode going out every week on their channel. So the Dream Team Tonic podcast, you can check out a link in the description below. But now on to number three. So we have Harry Kane at 7 million. Now, he may not even be at Tottenham, so we can disregard it if he does go to Bayern Munich. I think we're going to still see him at Tottenham 
by the end of the transfer window. So 7 million. His first three games are Brentford away, Man United at home, and then Bournemouth away, which I mentioned earlier. You can switch from Salah to Kane, potentially, in game week three to benefit from having back-to-back -back Bournemouth games. Or you could just start with them both. Harry Kane, again, zero bonus points. So I think I've made my point here. We've got no points for Haaland in bonus points. We've got one for Salah and zero for Kane. So work that one out. Um, Harry Kane, with the new rules applied to last season's performance, he would have got 353 points. That was a 64-point increase on last season. 32 goals, 11 assists, 70 shots on target, 17 big chances created, and 17 tackles. No European football this season, so... A bit later on, you might not want to have him, but it doesn't really matter early on in the season. He had the second best big chances created behind Mohamed Salah. So we do know how Harry Kane likes to drop in and create chances for other players like Son. Um, but he did have quite low tackle volume compared to some of the players like Rashford or like Salah. I don't know too much about Ange Postacoglu, but I've heard that he's got quite an attacking style of play and compare that to Conte who's quite defensive um, I probably do expect to see Harry Kane have bigger numbers this season than last season if he stays um, but then you have got to consider that with things like shots on target big chances tackles they're all sort of volume stats well same with goals and assists really but the less games you play the less you're going to score so you have got to consider that with no European football 70 shots on target is less than Haaland and less than Rashford, but then did come in ahead of Mohamed Salah, for example. So you kind of got to weigh that up again. So having another look at the fixtures then. So Brentford away, that's an okay fixture, but Brentford are a really good team and they're quite solid. Then Man United at home as well. I think Man United are going to be better this season. But then Bournemouth away does look good. And I mentioned that run for Spurs. So they have Bournemouth away. They then face Burnley, Sheffield United and Arsenal. So although that Arsenal game is a tough one. Harry Kane does love a goal against Arsenal. So so that's my top three. So I've got Haaland, Salah, Kane. I don't feel completely comfortable with this next one, which you're going to be able to predict. It's Marcus Rashford in fourth. I'm starting to feel a bit bad about putting him in fourth. So let me know in the comments below what you think your top four would be in strikers to target, because I think it's quite subjective. So I'd love to know your thoughts. But Rashford at 6.5 million. He comes in 0.5 cheaper than Salah and Kane. And he did have a really, really good season last season. So 373 points he would have scored with the new scoring. That's a 72-point increase on last season. 30 goals, 12 assists, 82 shots on target. Just nine big chances created, which looked a bit strange. And then 33 tackles, which is pretty high there. So, yeah, a really, really good season for Marcus Rashford. And a real big breakthrough season because he did have a few dodgy seasons before that. But 6.5 million, that's a massive jump from what he was at last season. But he does deserve it considering how well he played. The fixtures actually look alright. So Wolves at home, I do think that is a really good one to target. Tottenham away can be a tough game. And then Nottingham Forest at home is another good fixture. So that's why I'm starting to feel a, maybe that I've got this one wrong. Marcus Rashford in fourth place. But yeah, let me know what you think on it. Unlike the other two, so Haaland, Kane, Salah. It looks like Rashford isn't going to have penalties. It looks like Bruno Fernandes has got that off him. I think Rashford did take a few throughout the season, but it did look like towards the end Bruno took him back. But the benefit of Rashford is he is 0.5 cheaper than Salah, than Kane. And actually looking at these, I put Salah second, but apart from that Bournemouth game, 
Wolves at home and Forest at home do look really good games. So, I mean, we've got two transfers a week. Maybe you can just, you know, rotate your your um, starting strikers. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the new tactic is. But I've put him in fourth place. He's got the highest tackles out of all of the big four. So he's got more than Haaland, Kane and Salah for tackles. But players that sort of seem to play on the wing did do a little bit better. Funny enough, though, Jesus... Alvarez and Gakpo were highest tacklers for the strikers. And it just seems like the players that, or the teams that play a high press, they also seem to get quite high tackles, which is quite obvious, really. So Rashford, 33 tackles. Nine big chances created is very strange. Um, that looked really, really low in comparison to some of the other players. And all I can put this down to is the Veghorst effect. Vout Veghorst up front. If you look at it, 82 shots on target is a lot of shots and nine big chances created is not very many big chances. I think he just looked at Veghorst up front or Martial and thought, Do you know what, I'm, I'm taking this on my own. So he got 82 shots on target and he didn't bother passing to any of the other ones. If Man United do get a, a striker up front, they do get a striker in before the end of the window, maybe he'll be less greedy and maybe we'll see more big chances created. Maybe a few less shots. Um... Shots on target, 82. Only Erling Haaland had more than him as well in total. Coming back to the fixtures. So Wolves at home, Tottenham away, Nottingham Forest at home. Do look okay. After those three are out, they've got Arsenal and Brighton. So it does get a little bit harder. So yeah, I've put them in fourth. I don't feel completely comfortable about it. So let me know in the comments below how you do your top four. I imagine it's going to be these same players. Haaland, Salah, Kane, Rashford. What order would you put that four in? Right now, we've moved away from the core, what I'd call the big hitters. And I might be I might be a bit blinded here with my Arsenal pick here. But I'm going to go with Gabriel Jesus in fifth, in fifth place at 5.5 million. The fixtures are so good for Arsenal earlier on. So Nottingham Forest at home, Crystal Palace away, and then Fulham at home in game week three. Then we have Man United at home, Everton away, and Tottenham at home. So although we do have a couple of tough fixtures coming up there, our home form is usually pretty good. So United at home, Tottenham away. We've got the harder games at home. So again, I think that does look pretty good. Fifth place, Jesus. There's a massive, massive gap between the rest of these players and that top four. It's mostly starting to look at if you want to have a budget. or not, They're not even a budget pick, but a slightly lower tiered one if you can't afford to have the front three, which I think looks quite difficult to do this season. So the points, 186 points he would have scored with the new system which is a 45 increase on the old. He got just 11 goals and 8 assists, which does look pretty poor looking at it. 40 shots on target, 10 big chances created, and 38 tackles. So high tackle volume, 10 big chances created isn't great. It's one more than Rashford. Shots on target is pretty low for a centre forward, but we do know that Jesus drops in and makes chances for everyone else. And it's why Arsenal's goals were spread out so much around Martinelli, Saka and the rest of them. I do think that his um, stats would be a lot better as well if there wasn't that big chunk of time that he was injured. Um, he was out, I think he got injured in the World Cup, which was December. And then he didn't come back until the start of April. Um, he had a couple games off the bench to start with. And then I watched him, I was at the Arsenal-Leeds game where he played really well in that one. I think he got on the, got, he's got on the score sheet in that one. He started to look okay, but he never really went back up to full form, whether or not he was fit or not. Um, 
but he did start the season really well. So if he can start the season how he did last season and then maintain that without getting injured, I do think his numbers will increase a lot. But let me know if you think that's just me being blinded by being an Arsenal fan. Again, we won't focus too much on it, but only two bonus points. Shots on target was around the average when, when you look at the rest of these players and not Kane, Haaland, Salah, for example. Tackles, 38 was pretty high and big chances created was okay amongst the rest of them. Not so much amongst the likes of um, Salah, for example. But the good thing about this guy, compared to some of these ones we're going to come on to, Jesus will start up front week in, week out. Unless he gets injured. He is a now starting striker. Which some of these guys we're going to come on to next. I don't think you can say the same. So I'm putting Gabriel Jesus in 5th place. And we'll move on to 6th. Now actually I'm going to go with Son in 6th place. He was going to be lowered down the pecking order. I was going to go with Ollie Watkins. But some news sort of cropped up in the Dream Team Twitter community yesterday. Regarding Aston Villa. Um, and their European fixtures. So we have bumped Son up the list to 6th. He's in at 5 million and he is nailed, no question about that. Son will be nailed on that left-hand side, even under the new manager. Again, the same fixtures as Kane, Brentford, Man United, Bournemouth. Pretty good fixtures from game week three. But 248 points he would have scored last season. And that's a difference of 90 points. That's absolutely massive, more than any of the other strikers. Son would have been the best um, or the most better off with these new rules in place. He would have scored five bonus points as well, which is massive. But again, I won't worry about it too much. Five bonus points. It's not even a goal now. If you consider five points for a goal, one point for a shot on target. The bonus points for the whole season is not even really as, as much as scoring an extra goal. So we won't worry about that too much. 14 goals, six assists. 53 shots on target was quite impressive. That's quite a high shot volume for Son playing off the left wing. Big chances created, again, similar to Jesus, similar to Rashford, 10 big chances created. And then 34 tackles as well is pretty decent. So high shot volume, decent tackles. And we have to, again, assume that this might increase under a more attacking manager. But the only downside is no Europe. Gabriel Jesus, I think there's a very good chance he plays in the Prem and in the Champions League. Son is only going to have the Premier League and the domestic cups. But if you don't have Harry Kane, for example, if you don't, start with Harry Kane. I think Son could be another good one to go to for 5 million, especially for that game week three onwards. Bournemouth away, Burnley away, Sheffield United at home. So if Spurs do end up having a really good season, I think Harry, um, I think Son is going to be one that's going to rack up massive points under this new system because he scored an extra 90 points on the new system in a season where for Son standards, it was pretty low last season. So if he'd have had these new points in one of the seasons before that, where I think he got the golden boot recently, or was joint golden boot. Yeah, he would really smash it under this new season, uh, new system. So if he does well this season, I think he could be one of the top point scoring strikers. Right, in seventh place, we have Ollie Watkins at 4.5 million. Now, he would have been higher up the list, but it's been uncovered on social media, on Twitter, in the, in the Dream Team community, that it doesn't look like he's going to be scoring in these... Europa Conference playoff games. Now, I'm pretty sure that these conference playoff games had counted previously. Um, and there was a bit of debate about it, actually, because in the rules, it kind of did say that they were legible. Then it didn't say they were legible. And then they put out a blog post saying that they were. 
and now in their FAQs, it says they're not. So if you go on to the help bit on um, Sun Dream Team, and then there's there's a frequently asked questions section, and they've actually gone in now and put, will I score points in Aston Villa's Europa Conference League playoff matches? And the answer is no. Qualifying and playoff matches in European competitions do not count as eligible matches, only group game onwards. And it was actually brought up that... Um, the rules had been changed. So after they put this frequently asked question bit in, a few of us that were chatting on Twitter went back and checked the rules and the rules had been changed. The rules had been edited. They'd reworded it slightly. So it looks like this is the thing to pay attention to. Aston Villa will not score points for their qualifying matches and it'll only be group games onwards. So something to consider. When you take that out of the equation, it doesn't look as good. So they face Newcastle away, they face Everton at home and Burnley away. So tough first fixture, but the other two fixtures do look quite good. Ollie Watkins on penalties. He would have scored 223 points under the new scoring. A 61 point increase, 16 goals, 8 assists, 48 shots on target. Four big chances created and 20 tackles in total. Now, again, we, if they do go on a bit of a run in that Europa League conference, which West Ham did, and there's no reason why Aston Villa can't do the same, I do think that Ollie Watkins could be a really, really good pick. But I think I'll end up waiting until the, uh, the conference gets started. They've also got a few new additions to their teams. Um, so Diaby is a good one to note. I think they'll be having a lot more chances created this season, which can only be beneficial to Ollie Watkins at 4.5 million. So I think he'll have a good season this season and I'm going to put him in seventh. Now in eighth place, I'm going to go with Callum Wilson at 4.5 million. Same price point as Ollie Watkins. His fixtures are tough to start off with, which is why I've put him this low, really. I think I might have put him a bit higher. But the next fixtures, you've got Villa at home. Game week two, you've got City away. And then you've got Liverpool at home. So I think that's three tough fixtures, three fairly good or maybe two fairly good defences. Then after that, they face Brighton away and Brentford at home. So opening five games do look pretty tough. And I won't be starting with Callum Wilson and I probably won't be starting with any Newcastle. If I do, it'll be Trippier. But even Trippier, I'm not too keen on um, to start the season at least. But after that Brentford game or maybe including that Brentford game, the fixtures do get a lot better. And I think we will all be bringing Newcastle players into our sides. He didn't have a massive increase under the new scoring. So 203 points, 45 point increase, 18 goals, 6 assists, 37 shots on target, 5 big chances created and 9 tackles. So a real centre forward. He's not creating many chances. He's not making that many tackles. But he's still make, doing plenty of shots. He's on penalties as well. Um... I just don't think he's pickable really until those fixtures do get a little bit better for him. But I do think he's going to be an absolute beast once these Champions League games kick off. If he can stay fit and play twice a week, I do think he's going to be someone that we will be considering. But if we maybe wait a little bit later till that starts, maybe he'll go down in price from 4.5 million and we might be able to pick him up a little bit cheaper. It might end up being a bit of a bargain. But on the good side of things, when those Champions League games kick off and the fixtures do get better... Harvey Barnes playing on that left-hand side is going to create him a load more chances. I'm not sure what it will mean for rotation with Barnes being signed for the left-hand side. Because they were playing Isak on the left sometimes and starting both of them. Will that mean it's just Isak and Callum Wilson fighting it out for that striker role? Um, maybe, I know I've got a couple of Newcastle fans that 
listen, uh, aka Connor, so you might be able to let us know in the chat. Um, yeah, do you think that maybe Barnes coming in might end up eating into Callum Wilson's minutes through Isak potentially? I'm not too sure, but I think overall, with more games, Wilson will have a better season than he had last season, as long as he can stay fit. Coming to the end now, ninth place, we have Alvarez from Manchester City. Again, I mentioned those really, really good fixtures for Man City. So Burnley away, Newcastle at home, Sheffield United away. They then face Fulham, uh, Fulham West Ham, Forest, Wolves before facing Arsenal in game week eight away from home. So the fixtures do look really, really good. But with Alvarez, we know that Haaland starts up front. So it's kind of a question of, will Haaland be rotated? Probably not early on. But will Alvarez fit in any of those other positions? Now, when Kevin De Bruyne was out injured last season, we did see Alvarez sort of fill in his role quite a bit, and he did do fairly well there. Or I guess there's a chance that he might come on as a sub on one of those wing positions. But it does seem that, that Kevin De Bruyne role was a position that he picked up a bit last season. He still scored quite well, though. So 217 points last season based on the new points. He was 58 points better off. He got 16 goals, 7 assists, 38 shots on target, 6 big chances created and 37 tackles. Now with Alvarez, I think a lot of this does come from City went all the way in, well they won the treble. So they went all the way in a lot of different competitions. So there are plenty of games. Even if he isn't a starter, he is going to come off the bench and he is going to score in that City team. The only problem with this is now the deadline has moved to Friday night. You can't just look at the lineups on the Saturday and go, oh, Alvarez is starting, I'm going to bring him in. You have to have him before the first kickoff of the first game of that game week. So it does make it a bit more of a difficult one to choose from. But Man City do play on the first game of the season against Burnley and we might get some early team news. And Kevin De Bruyne has been with the pre-season squad, but he hasn't played a minute yet, um, as far as I'm aware, in pre-season. So if that carries on up until the start of the season... We might see Alvarez playing that Kevin De Bruyne role, but it could be Foden as well. So I think we're going to just have to wait and see how they line up for that first game, potentially. Another downside of this is also the new point scoring system. You get points for how long you're on the pitch. Um, so I think you get a point if you play up to 60 minutes and then a point if you play over 60 minutes. Alvarez isn't really a 90-minute player, so you are going to miss out on some of those points. If he's a super sub, you're going to be one, one point worse off than some of the other players, potentially. That's another reason why I don't quite like the pick too much. So a lot of it with Alvarez is going to come down to maybe can you fit him in at a time where you think he's going to get the most minutes. But for me, I don't think I'm going to be starting with him. And we've made it all the way to 10th place, and I've put a shiny new signing in the team. Nkunku from Chelsea at 4 million. New signing, so we haven't got all of the points, but I tried to do some digging online to sort of fill in the blanks. So I don't know his points and the point difference, obviously. But last season, he scored 19 goals, five assists, had 38 shots on target. I couldn't find out big chances and then 12 tackles. So we've got a bit of a half view there. Um, we also have a question mark on the positioning because we do have um, Nkunku playing as a striker. But he could potentially play as a number 10 as well because we have Nicholas Jackson from Chelsea who seems to be doing pretty well in pre-season. So it's whether or not you think he's going to start at number 10 or as a striker or maybe he plays on one of the wings. But I don't think I don't think so. I think it's going to be a striker or number 10. Liverpool game first 
Um, game week one is a tough one, but it is at home. But then the next fixtures after that look really good. So game week two all the way down to game week eight look really good. So we have West Ham away. We have Luton at home. We have Nottingham Forest at home. We have Bournemouth away. We have Aston Villa at home. We have Fulham away. And then we have Burnley away. So all the way down from game week two to game week eight, the fixtures do look really good. I'm not a big, big fan of choosing new signings early on. Obviously, Erling Haaland looked too good to turn down last season. I'm not sure about Nkunku at four million. He does look a good value pick and the fixtures do look good at the start of the season. But with 19 goals and five assists, I'm just not sure whether there might be a bit of a Bundesliga tax involved there. Will he do it again in the Premier League? I know the Bundesliga tax didn't apply to Haaland. But the likes of Werner, Havertz, hasn't quite worked out for them making the move over. So I think I'm going to wait and see on Nkunku for me. So that's my top 10 strikers to target. But I have thrown in a few honourable mentions at the end. So Darwin Nunes at 4 million. Now he majorly, majorly benefits from this new rule system. But I just can't bring myself to put him in my top 10. Under the new system, he would have scored 211 points. Now it was a difference of 79 points. So that's absolutely massive increase there. Um... 14 goals, 8 assists, 52 shots on target, 12 big chances created, and 16 tackles. So the big bulk of his um, increase in points comes from that high tackle, uh, sorry, that high shot on target volume. So look, if you look at this compared to the others, 52 shots on target for Nunes, Jota was 14, Jackson was on 23, Gakpo 16, Ferguson 23. Darwin Nunes has a lot, a lot of shots on target. But he doesn't always score them. Um, and Dream Team seems to benefit the players that kick the ball at the goalkeeper. Um, so whether or not you want to go for that sort of pick is up to you. If he does start to score goals, though, it's going to be absolutely scary. So Darwin Nunes could be one to keep an eye on at 4 million. But at the moment, I just can't bring myself to uh, bring him into my team. I'm going to credit Baz, one of the Dream Team Tonic um, Patreon Discord members. I'm going to credit him for sort of uncovering this. Um, so Darwin Nunes, a ton of shots on target and keepers get rewarded for saves. One a bit out there strategy I kind of thought of. Uh, it's a little bit of a joke. Uh, but if you have Darwin Nunes up front, you could target the goalkeepers from whoever Liverpool are playing. Because there's a good chance that Darwin Nunes is going to kick the ball at that goalkeeper and then you'll get save points as well as the shots on target. So that could be something to consider as well. I'm then going to come on to Diogo Jota. And for the same reason as Darwin Nunes, I think if they were nailed week in, week out, they could be in that top 10 easily, like Salah. But at the moment, I only think Salah is the only person that is nailed in that front three from uh, Liverpool. So Jota at 3.5 million. 113 points, 32 increase, 7 goals, 8 assists, 14 shots on target, 3 big chances and 26 tackles. But with Jota, he, I think he was injured for a big chunk of last season, so we can't really pay too much attention to those stats. It's just the rotation that's a big problem. Firmino's left, so if Jota is starting as that striker week in, week out, he will make a mockery of 3.5 million, I think. But you do also have Gakpo that's fighting for that same position. Um, I'll come on to him actually now. We'll skip out Jackson for the second just because we're talking Liverpool. But you've sort of got four players fighting for two spaces. Salah's nailed, um, maybe not in Europe. But then you've got Gakpo, Jota, Darwin, even um, Diaz as well, all fighting for those other two spaces. So I think until we're fully set on who's going to start, I won't be picking either of them. 
Um, Gakpo, 3.5, 130 points, 59 increase, 7 goals, 5 assists, 16 shots on target, 6 big chances created, and 36 tackles. So again, the price points are low and appealing. It just depends whether they're going to get that game time. Nicholas Jackson, though, he's one that I'm much, much more excited about for Chelsea. Um, I wasn't really feeling it at first, but he's absolutely smashing it in pre-season. So he's starting up front for Chelsea in pre-season at the moment. He's only 2.5 million on the game. So I was looking at starting maybe with a cheap defender, maybe like a Tarkowski or having a cheap midfielder at 2 million in NCSO. But if you do manage to get a Chelsea striker at 2.5 million, I don't think you can turn that down. Uh, the pre-season results, he's got two goals, three assists in his last three games. So five returns in three games. I know it is pre-season, so you have to take it with a pinch of salt. Um, but last season, he scored 12 goals, got four assists, had 23 shots on target and 14 tackles. So definitely one to watch before the season starts. And then Evan Ferguson at 3 million. I can't see myself picking him just because Brighton look like they've got too many good options up front. Quite honestly, I think he deserves to be starting as that striker for Brighton. But they do have Welbeck, who just seems to always do all right. And it does seem like the Zerbi likes him for his work rate. João Pedro has just signed as well, and he's a really good player. And then they've also got Undav as well. So there are options for Brighton. And if Ferguson was playing week in, week out, again, like these other people, I would be putting him or consider putting him in my team. Um, 121 points, 36 point increase. 10 goals, 3 assists, 23 shots on target, 2 big chances and 7 tackles. So the numbers are low because he did, I don't think he was involved the whole way through the season and he did have a lot of rotation. But if he does play week in, week out, he's another one, like most of the guys on this, this list, that will score big points on Dream Team. So that is my top 10 strikers to target at the start of Sun Dream Team. Please do subscribe to the channel because I'm going to be going through all the positions from now to the end of the season. We're going to go through the top 10 midfielders, defenders, and maybe we'll do the top five goalkeepers. So subscribe to the channel and look out for that one. Also, if you're not fully familiar with the new point scoring system on Sun Dream Team for this season, I've done a how to play Sun Dream Team in 2023-2024. So I'll link that here. Thank you very much for watching and we'll see you on the next one. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.